Good morning. Good to see you here this morning. We are in a message series where we're looking at our mental picture of what could and should be and how that shapes the choices that we make every day. And how if we have the right mental picture that we can we can actually gain momentum and motivation uh, to do right uh, rather than something that creates a drag on us. Today we're looking at the picture that we have in our minds. We all have a picture in our minds when we're in a bad circumstance, when we're in a bad spot, something's not going the way that we want it to go. We have a picture in our minds related to our hope. When we get in a spot, we put our our hope in something. When we face something that strikes fear in us, or that maybe just a low-level roar of fear in us, we have a picture in our mind of how we could be rescued from that. And we put our hope in that. Now, here's a picture you see in the movies all the time from the the movie Iron Man. A family, and uh, some families are in jeopardy. And let's watch this together. It's a little video clip that shows uh, where we could put our hope, I guess. That's that's some people in a bad spot and they they get rescued and our mind, you know, those movies resonate with us because we we get in bad circumstances and we want somebody to bail us out. Or we would like to be that person. I want one of those suits. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Probably cost, you know, a few dollars, but that'd be all right. You know, those those movies keep selling movie tickets over and over and over again because we love those kinds of scenes. Somebody's in a bad circumstance and they get rescued by a hero. We're going to look into a page of history today where some of Jesus' earliest followers, actually his earliest, find themselves in a, in a really bad spot. They need, they need a little help. Um, and so we're going to pay a special attention to where they put their hope, how how they respond to the circumstance. When we get in scary circumstances or when we're thinking about our future and we start to get afraid of it, our minds are drawn to a rescue scene. 
Who's a hero in your rescue scene? Where does your mind go when you end up in, in a bad circumstance? We're ramping up to an election year. And candidates are going to communicate how they can rescue the country. They're going to come up with their plan. They're going to be sharing with us all that they can do to help us deal with the scary things that we're facing. Some of these are a moral climate that is daunting for those who believe and live according to the Bible. It's, it's changing. There's been a dramatic shift. Religious freedom is at risk primarily for Christians. An economy that seems to be somewhat propped up by the debt, and we go further and further into it every day. I, I think the figure is something like $2 billion a day more in debt as a country. And the Dow is teetering right now. We're, yeah, we're shaking. Makes us shake. Who's going to rescue us? One of these candidates is, is going to convince everyone that he's got the best shot at doing it. That, that's what's going to happen. The threat of ISIS and other terror groups. These things are going on. The list goes on and on and on. I don't intend to ramp up your fear to talk about how to deal with faith over fear. Um, but for believers in an unstable world, do we put our hope in the next president or do we trust in God who's going who's to be the one that leads us forward into the future. The passage we're, we're looking at today is specific to a hostile environment following Christ. But there are other fearful things that are related to our, our, pic, our future. And we, we paint a picture of where the help's going to come from. Who, who's going to help us out of this? For those who are single and want to be married, do you, do you put your happiness on hold while you wait for the knight in shining army? That's... That's a rescue scene. Do you wait for that? Or do you trust God to put the puzzle pieces of your future together and go ahead and make the most right now and really enjoy it? Enjoy your time. There's always trouble when we demand a certain kind of future from God. Always trouble. At work, if you're asked to compromise your integrity, do you try to use your own cunning to wriggle out and work your way around? Or... Do you trust God and do what you think is right in the situation? If you're in an unhappy marriage, do you trust God to meet your needs and choose to be faithful? Or do you begin to look beyond your spouse for some help getting your needs met? The message today is about choosing faith in God over fear in these kinds of circumstances. How does, how does he want us to respond? Because choosing faith over fear is something that we need over and over and over again. Because honestly, life is life. It's full of fears. It's full of things that could happen. Most of them never do. At least the ones that come to my mind. I have to take my mind as the, as the fears well up. And I have to direct it in the right direction. Direction. I have to point it in the right direction or it's just going to go wild with scenarios that are going to really create problems for me. So we have to choose faith over and over and over again. What does that look like? Christ followers keep choosing faith over fear. That's what you see in this passage we're looking at today. Stories in the Bible are great. They're, they're a help because 
They give us a clear picture of how to respond in given circumstances. An example of one of these stories is in Acts 5, as the early church uh, was being harassed by the governmental slash religious authorities. Uh, Here's the situation. The Romans occupied Jerusalem, but they allowed the Jews to practice their religion openly. The Jewish religious leaders were given sort of a quasi-governmental authority underneath the Roman government. So they had, they had the power of government. They were held in high regard. They also had their own security force, the temple guard. And this group had both religious power and political power to, to punish those whom they saw as wrongdoers. So <clears throat> in this environment, Jesus steps in and he he lives, uh, there's a groundswell of following. He, he dies because these very authorities have decided that he's blaspheming against God by saying that he's God. So he dies and then he's resurrected. His, his early followers, the closest followers, they, um, they all have watched this happen. And so after he dies and is resurrected, Christianity begins to spread in a massive grassroots movement. After a powerful sermon delivered by Peter during a Jewish festival, about 3,000 Jews converted to Christianity in a single day. Christians begin meeting together. They're encouraging each other in their homes. They're caring for each other. And the movement kept building steam and spreading. This is we looked at what Jesus said last week. I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's what's happening here. He's building his church. And there's this, gra- this massive grassroots movement that the religious leaders of the Jewish system, they're getting a little threatened by this. Not just a little threatened, a lot threatened. Because it's getting out of control. And so this is, this is the context for the passages we're looking at this morning. Acts 5, 12 through 13 says, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Now you get the idea from this passage, don't you, that it's a little bit dangerous to follow Christ in this environment, just a, just a little dangerous. No one else dared to join them. That's, that's a pretty clear statement. You, you understand this is, this is not for wimps. <laughs> you know, this following Christ is, is not for wimps. But the first believers were boldly identifying themselves with Christ. The boldness of these early Christians compelled others to try it. It was intriguing. It was compelling. Because others were going to try to figure out what, what is worth this kind of risk? What is it that's worth risking your life for? And so there, you know, this is all going on. And the movement's starting to, to move forward and really pick up steam. As people heard more about Jesus, more and more embraced him. More and more of a threat. The, the Jewish re- religious leaders... 
They couldn't contain the Christian movement. This growing threat would be a real concern to them. They're, they're really concerned because their livelihood is on, on the line. As leaders in this system, they themselves were threatened. Their jobs were threatened. And the entire society and religious way of life was being threatened. You know, people aren't real hot on that. If, if you're, you're in a system that you really are getting a lot out of, personally. You know, we don't like change in that circumstance. So the religious leaders, they begin to threaten, imprison, intimidate. And they're going after the leaders of the Christian movement in order to stop its advance. This is what they're trying to do. Let's, let's shut this thing down right now. You know, get the temple guards, go get them, do this, let's take care of this. But the church didn't stop growing. Something, or rather someone, Jesus, was building his church. Look at Acts five seventeen and 18. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles, and put them in public prison. So here they are. Let's put them on public display in prison. Let's just show them who's boss. Let's shut this thing down. They figured at least they could slow down the movement while they came up with a strategy for shutting it down completely. That, that was their goal. But again, Jesus was building his church. Look at 19 through 21. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. When the leaders call for the apostles, you know, they gather in the morning and they're going to have a trial. They call for the apostles. They go to the prison. And they try to get them. And they're not there. So they're like, whoa, where are they? They find them teaching more about Jesus in the temple courts. They're, they're just doing what Jesus told them to do. You know, there's, there's a lot of threat. There's a lot going on. There's hostile environment. But they're just doing what Jesus had told them to do. Here's what comes next. And this is, this is the heart of why I'm telling this story this morning. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them. But not by, by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. I mean, the apostles at this point were popular. They're serving people. They're loving people. They're teaching about Jesus. When they brought them in, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. This is, this is their, their statement. Hey, when it comes down to doing what Jesus told us to do or following your law, we're doing what God says. We're going with him. The picture in their mind, who do you think the hero was in their mind when they made this statement? Here they are, they're in a court. These people hold the power over their lives. And they boldly make the statement, we, we're going to serve God and not men. They're, they had the right hero in place. 
We're, we're going to go ahead and do what God has told us to do. And we're going to trust him to bring back to life whatever he wants to bring to life. If, if, if we lose our lives, so be it. That took some guts, to say the least, <laughs> to do what they did. And, and we see here there is a time for righteous civil disobedience. There is a time to disobey the government. Where did that bravery come from? Where, where did it come from? Courage is rooted in our hope. That picture that you have of who it is that's going to rescue you, who, who it is going to make the most of this circumstance, that picture, you know, we know Iron Man's not real, okay? So it can't be Iron Man. It can't be any one of the other superheroes. Who, who is the picture? It, it might be, it might be somebody in your family. It might be so, a powerful person that you're connected to, maybe at work. And they're, they're gonna just, when they keep going up the ladder, they're gonna pull you up the ladder as well. Who, who's the person that's gonna help you in a pinch? Who, who is the hero that comes into your mind when you find yourself in a bad situation? Courage is rooted in our hope. If you have your hope placed in someone or something that is flimsy, your courage is going to waffle. Courage is rooted in our hope, wherever we put it. It goes on in this passage. It says, the God of our fathers, the, the the apostles say we must obey God rather than men because the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given those who obey him. We've seen this. We've seen Jesus. We've seen him. Live, love people, only intend to do right by the people around him. He was mistreated, he was misunderstood, and he was condemned to die because of the threat he was to the establishment. We've seen him die, and then we saw him after the horrible crucifixion. We saw him alive, he talked to us, he showed up. We are witnesses to these things. He, he is the one who is our hope. When we get in a bad spot, we're putting our hope in him. We're going to trust him. We're, we're not going to trust you, even though you're powerful and you hold the power of our lives. We're not going to trust you or anyone else. We're trusting the Lord Jesus because he is the one we can lean on and trust. Jesus was crucified, then he was resurrected to reign with God, and we trust him. The apostles had a very clear picture in their minds, didn't they? <laughs> of who their hero was and who Jesus was. When, what he came to do and what he told them to do, he, he was, they were taking ownership of, of this call on their lives that he had given them, and their loyalty flowed out of knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection. Now, here's the thing about knowing the power of his resurrection. You don't know it unless you die. 
And Jesus was very clear. If you follow me, you're going to have to die to yourself every day. Because we keep finding ourselves in these places where I want to go my way, or I, I know God's way, but after you decide to follow Christ, I know, I know I, I'm learning what God says, and it's clear what he's saying to do here, but that is going to really, that is scary. That's going to require some faith. And then there's my old way, leaning on myself, relying on myself, and you know, wriggling out of things. You have to die to yourself, to your old way, to keep living for Jesus. And it requires faith. But as you die daily, he keeps giving you life. Life keeps growing on the inside. And he keeps blessing you with the life that he intends for you. When we choose faith over fear, we keep growing to know him better. When we don't, we don't get to know him any better. If we choose to learn and do things God's way, die to ourselves, trusting God to come through, we know him by experience more and more. I was reading a book a few couple months ago. It was talking about the, the, the time when Jesus went up on a mountain with Peter, James, and John, three of his closest followers. And I had never noticed this, but it was talking about that moment on what's called the Mount of Transfiguration, because Jesus was transfigured. Moses and Elijah come down, and he's having a conversation with Moses and Elijah. Fascinating scene, I'm sure. These guys, these guys, they're willing to put their lives on the line because they've seen stuff like this over and over and over again. They're witnesses. And so, anyway, they're having this conversation, and I, I had never caught this before, but it says in the passage, it says... They kept talking about Jesus' death. Moses and Elijah and Jesus, they're having a conversation about his death. Why is that? The reason is because they had a stake in Jesus' death on the cross. You and I have a stake in Jesus' death on the cross. That's where forgiveness of sins comes from. Our rebellion against the living God is forgiven. See, they, they talk about it here. He came, God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. They had been forgiven. This is our deepest need as human beings. We're, we're in a world, we're in a culture where that's not obvious anymore. But God made us to live his way. When we don't, we've offended him. We've sinned against him. And we need his forgiveness for things to begin to get worked out right on the inside out. And so these men had experience. They knew Christ because they decided to obey him, to follow him, no matter what the cost. And they were willing to die daily. And they experienced forgiveness of sins. Their courage was rooted in that hope. They were not backing down. That's where the courage comes from. This is, this is what the apostles are showing us. And, and Jesus, when he started coming back down the mountain, he explained to them. He explained to his apostles, you know, after the conversation with Moses and Elijah, pretty awesome. Kind of amazing. 
On the way back down, he tells them the Son of Man, talking about himself, he must die. He's going to be arrested, beaten. He's going to die. And then he's going to be raised on the third day. So that's the first time that he began to explain to them what it was going to be like to follow him. That's, that's, what, that's what it's like. To, to die every day and let him bring back to life what pleases him. This is what the apostles are showing us. You can take me out if you want to, they say. But I'm doing what Jesus told me to do. They put their hope clearly in Jesus Christ. He had forgiven their sins and made a way into eternal life. Those first century Christians displayed a deep loyalty to Christ. They had seen him die when all hope seemed lost. He was raised from the dead. The picture they carried in their mind was exactly what it means to follow Christ. I die to myself and I trust him to bring to life what pleases him. This is how we choose faith over fear when we must, when we need to, when we're bad circumstances, when we're really in trouble and we can't figure out where this is going to end up. We trust God. We die to ourselves, what we would normally do out of our knee-jerk reflex, and we go God's way. And we wait and watch to see what he does. As I wrap up, I want to encourage you to think through the arenas, the areas of your own life where you need to choose courage in the midst of troubling circumstances. Is there an area of your life where you're frustrated, overwhelmed? You really look toward the future and you're concerned God may be wanting to help you move from fear to faith right in that moment as you begin putting your trust and hope in him. He, he does want to help you with that. As our cultural environment becomes more and more hostile uh, to following Christ, and it may shift, I don't know, I don't know what God intends, uh, how, how are you going to choose to move forward? Where is your hope? You may have to choose whether or not to follow your convictions in your business or your career. Or if you don't follow your convictions, maybe you could go free or maybe you end up in trouble. In family life and friendships, this is one of the ways it works. We have a picture in our minds of what we want and how we want the day to go. And nobody else has the same picture. Nobody else is on my page. Same thing happens at work. You know, I got, I know how my day should go. And for some reason, nobody's else seen the video. They haven't seen it. You know, I'm trying to get them on this page, but it's not there. The question is, when I'm disappointed by the way others treat me and my family, my friendships, at work, what am I going to do? Am I going to die to myself and live for Christ and continue to love people around me? Or am I going to just take my ball, so to speak, and go home and pull back from them and not really keep investing in them in the relationship? And am I going to make them pay? As Christ followers, we, we keep moving toward people. We keep showing love to them, no matter what's going on. At work, um, 
Maybe you're being asked to compromise your integrity. You have a choice. What are you going to do with that? How are you going to respond? In, in your plans in life, are things working out the way you hoped? How, how are they working out? Are, <clears throat> are you frustrated with your job, the progress you're making in your finances? If, if your picture doesn't look like it's coming together, where are you putting your hope? If you follow Christ, this is the time to die to yourself. Say, Lord, here it is. I don't know how this is going to go, but I give it all to you. I trust you with it again. And I'm going to see what you, what you bring back to life. Today is the chance to trust God, to help you redefine success and look to him to provide instead of forcing my own plans and, and timing on the things I want. Here's some specific ways to choose faith in the moment this week. Faith's not a general endeavor. We choose it in specific moments every day. <clears throat> Today I will choose loyalty and courage by praying to God when, when we battle fear or when I battle fear. Job, in the book by the same name, one of the oldest books in the Old Testament, experienced deep loss, tragic loss. What was happening around him was horrendous. He lost his family. He lost his livestock. He lost everything. And he's trying to make sense about what God's doing through all this. And he gets into a fascinating conversation with his friends. And at one point in the conversation, his friends go, so told him, Job, you know what? You must, you must be wrong. You must be a real sinner for God to do all this to you or allow this to happen to you. So why don't you just go ahead and curse God and die right here? You know, so they're, they're really good set of friends, huh? Just curse God and die. It's all over. You've really blown it. And Job says something in Job thirteen fifteen. though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. That's Job's response. Even if God takes me out, I'm putting my hope in him. I'm going to trust him with my life. Because, and then it, it goes on, and I will surely, because I will surely defend my ways to his face. I'm going to meet God someday in, the, in, in eternity. As soon as this life's over, boom, I'm going to be in his presence, and I'm going to talk to him about what's gone on. But he is my hope. Nothing else. No one else. He is my hope. I'm trusting him. Job lays out his hope for his friends and all the world to see. Another way to choose loyalty and courage is by taking a stand for something as God directs. We saw the apostles who took a stand to obey Jesus' command in spite of threat and persecution. Our hope is in Jesus and the power that raised him from the dead. That's where our hope comes from. We hope in him. We choose to follow him allowing and allow him to bring to life what he wants to bring to life in the picture. Religious freedom for Christians. Now, I would have read this passage very differently 10 years ago, possibly, than, than I do now. You know, we must serve God rather than men. We've got to obey him. I, I would have thought America really is removed from that kind of thing. 
10 years ago, we were not in that situation. But religious freedom for Christians who believe the Bible is really being threatened today. Here's some pictures of three people. This is Baronelle. She's a florist. And there's a couple who uh, they own a photography business. And then there's a couple uh, that Don and Evelyn, that was John and Elena, and they own a, a, a wedding chapel. All of their businesses are, are being threatened because of their belief in the biblical definition of marriage. Now, whatever you believe about that, the Bible is very clear, very, very clear on that. And we have taken a shift in our country that is an exact reversal of where we started. We were started because a bunch of people came from England who were under persecution there. We were started to allow a country to exist where people could practice their religion freely. So we've taken a shift and we're in danger. I, I would have looked at this very differently ten years ago. Where are you going to put your hope if your belief in Jesus Christ and the Bible is challenged and it means your livelihood? These guys they're getting they're getting hate mail, emails, threats on their life. Their business, it looks like they're going to lose their business because of their belief in the Bible. That's not right. That's not how we started out. Where are you going to put your hope? Where, where are you going to rest it? We, we should be allowed to live an integrated life so that what we do at work, what we do in all of life matches our beliefs. In the scripture. What are we going to do when that's challenged? If our hope is in God, we do what we know is right and trust him to use our life for his glory. This means dying to ourself in the moment. We keep arriving at places where we have to choose to die to ourselves and trust God to revive the plans that please him. If our picture of rescue has God in the center of it, Our hope is in him who is unlimited in power and understanding and he's working and weaving all the events in history for his purpose. When we decide to follow Christ, we live for him, not for ourselves. We live for his purpose and we trust him to bring ultimate victory because he is our ultimate hope. Courage is rooted in our hope. Where's your hope? We sang the song, the rock won't move. Jesus is the rock that will not move. You will find him reliable and stable, and you can rest on him. As I wrap up the message today, if you take out the connection card in your program and begin to fill it out, that'd be great. I'd also like to ask our worship team, if they would, come back up on stage. Take this time, please, to fill out any information or next steps that you haven't had an opportunity to complete before now and then you can drop that card in the offering when it comes around the ushers will be be around in a little bit we're going to receive the offering I'd like to thank you for your giving we're able to do what we do here at church in the valley because of the ties and offerings of our members and attenders 
Here's some suggested next steps as a result of what I've talked about this morning. Uh, first of all, memorize Acts 5.29. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. Just memorize, that's a good reminder. Second step would be to take courage by and fill in the blank. Maybe God's moved you to take courage in an area today, just to to walk by faith, to trust him, to rest in him. And you're going to intend to do that this week. You're going to just trust him with that step. And there may be other things that God said to you this morning. Uh, Make a note of it mentally or write it down and step out to follow him because it's in It's in obeying him that you get to know him better and experience the power of his resurrection. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, your kindness, Lord. And I ask you, God, that you would give us the strength to grow in our faith, our understanding of you and your purpose. I pray, God, that you would would really strengthen our hearts and minds to do your will to please you and to honor you and to glorify you as we live our lives this week. Give us the strength to do what you've laid on our hearts to do. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.